Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I am your host, Alan Seals, and this episode is with Lauren Marcus, who's got a brand new show at 54 Below coming up a few days after this episode drops on June 18th. So pause it now, go over to 54 Below, get your tickets, and enjoy the show. I had a lovely, lovely, honest conversation with Lauren. This is the first time we've actually met. We've been circling around each other in social circles and never actually had a chance to connect. And it was just wonderful. We went deep into the purpose of of her songwriting and self-expression. And she got very honest, too, about her relationship with alopecia, which she's had that diagnosis for a couple of years now. And just how it relates to the sometimes insurmountable beauty standards in our society, especially on stage and TV and film, and how she's overcoming that. So, Lauren, thank you. Thank you for such a lovely conversation. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Please leave a rating, leave a review, share the podcast with your friends, help this grow. And know everybody, please enjoy this episode with Lauren Marcus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here you go. One, two, three. My guest today is a retro pop singer-songwriter who made her Broadway debut in Be More Chill. She is a frequent performer at cabaret clubs in New York like 54 Below, Joe's Pub, Rockwood Music Hall, and is in the upcoming movie adaptation of Tick, Tick, Boom. She's got a brand new show to debut at 54 Below coming right up this June 18th. So get your tickets now. Lauren Marcus, welcome to the theater podcast. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Oh my gosh. So we're going to edit out all those flubs in the intro. So the listeners now won't know that I restarted that like three times. This okay. morning was was final graduation or not final graduation. It's well, I've got two kids that are that are uh, graduating into kindergarten and first grade. Oh my God. <laughs> so my mind has been there and now I'm shifting back over to Broadway land. I, and I'm as like, it should be. I respect that. So, <laughs> I do. I think that's great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for, for joining. I think uh, let's, I want to actually start right off with what you're here to talk about because it's coming up very soon from when this episode uh, is released in your your 54 below show yeah. so it's a brand new you've performed at, you've performed at 54 below before but it's a brand new show with a brand new band 
Yeah. Well, okay. So I've performed at 54 below a lot of times and it's, uh, always other people's music. Right. And, um, which I love doing. Um, and, uh, I think I've always been very scared to, um, attempt a show with my own band. So, um, we, you know, I, I would never classify it really as cabaret. And I, I th- kind of think 54 Below is more like a cabaret setting. And so I kind of tend to play like rock clubs downtown. But you know what? It felt like the right time to head uptown with my band. Um, <laughs> so uh, there are some like new songs, but, you know, it's not it's not quite like a scripted cabaret show. But um, I think the the I was going to say the problem with me is I'm inherently theatrical. I can't help it. So it definitely has that in it. Well, I, I I pulled this out of, I forget where it was. It was either in the 54 Below show description or maybe it was on your website, but the retro pop singer songwriter. Yeah. So retro pop is, yeah. I, I, I know your music. I've been listening to your songs and I, I, I don't know how I would have described it. And I think retro pop is pro- is the best way, obviously. I struggle with that. So that's good to hear. <laughs> well, where where does that influence come from? Because it is it is poppy, but it's not like teeny bopper no. poppy, <laughs> yeah. right? So- um, I guess, you know, I think that comes from the fact that I just grew up listening exclusively to the oldies, the oldies station. And I still, it's, still like my absolute favorite music. And so when I go to write stuff, I mean, you know, everyone just kind of like rips off from other people, like steals what they can, but like, I can't deny that that's a huge influence on um, my writing and like my persona. I just think everything looks cooler for when it isn't from now, you know, like I, and it just makes its way into my music most of the time, whether I'm trying to have that influence or not. which took me a, a, a second to kind of land there. I have, I really love country music too. So sometimes there's like a touch of country vibe in there. Um, oh, that's a strange combination, but it, it works for you. And just, let's see, we're recording this a couple days after you, I just saw that you, you posted your big hat video. Yeah, which is, <laughs> which is an N- NPR tiny desk submission. Yes. Yeah. I've been uh, doing the NPR Tiny Desk contest like for a bit, as have like thousands and thousands of other people. And I think it's like a nice way. First of all, it's always great to have a deadline. I wasn't going to do anything this year. And I was like, oh, I have two days. Like I need to get it together. Um, (laughs) But I just think like it's such a cool way to see so many, um, to hear so much music by musicians you might not hear otherwise. Um, So it's a good kick, kick to my butt to... To, I wanted to write a new song, and it happened very quickly. I wrote it last week. Um, yeah. Wait, what? So you just wrote it, you wrote it, recorded it, and published it all within a week? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm in like sort of a, a place right now mentally, which I'm sure we can talk about. Like I keep saying that I feel like I'm living COVID like backwards. I was so fine up top, and I was so fine for like so long. And I think that now it's like um, I don't, I don't know like what your journey is on this. I'm curious to hear, but like I feel like now I'm like feeling it in a way that I think I, I don't know. It seems like maybe a lot of people are feeling it up top. And so I kind of was like in a bit of a place and I was like, I don't want to record any of my songs. I don't know. And then big hat happened. Like I I just wrote it, uh, last Thursday, Friday. Um, 
And yeah, I recorded it on Saturday. And then, you know, what happens is usually <laughs> after you write something, you feel better. So I'm feeling a little bit better. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's where that song came from. So, so today is a Wednesday. So you wrote it Thursday, Friday, recorded it Saturday, then published it on Monday on your YouTube channel. YouTube, yeah. 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 So that is, that's incredible. I, I love, I love the need to, to create and to, and to write it. Yeah. the stuff that's coming out of people right now during COVID. And I mean, maybe this, this is a good chance. Let's just dive into that actually, right. because there are so many people in this industry that, that need this to feel whole. They need to perform. They need to yeah. sing. They need to be on stage. They need that applause or the validation, or they just need, even if it's not from other people, they need to feel that yeah. energy being projected on stage. So for for you then, it's interesting you said you're feeling it backwards. You were fine at first. I really so, was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I'm trying, I'm trying to, to Well, to, how did you live it? How's it rolling out for you? Well, for <laughs> for me, I've I mean, this little office I've been in, I've been in this office since January of of 2020. Yeah. And I'm going a little stir crazy being in the same place. Yeah. But I'm such a tech nerd that what I'm I always love being on the computer. I love to create digitally. So right. for me for me personally, I've you know with Broadway Podcast Network with this podcast, I've been interviewing, I was just saying on a recent interview that this is my therapy. Yeah. For me, when I start feeling bad, I schedule a bunch of interviews and I, I love that. Like it yeah. feels good to me to to meet you, to connect with you, to see you yeah. smile like that, yeah. at, at, and and to like I know that we're we're having a conversation that's bringing other people joy. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, it is. It's so funny. It is like I really find like I've been dragging, like dragging to write or dragging to whatever. But then once I do it, I feel I always feel better. You know what I mean? Also, though, mm -hmm. I can't imagine having children right now. And like, I, I think you're a hero, like a national hero. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know how 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 you've done it. But um, well, I don't know how you write songs. And <laughs> I don't know how you orchestrate. And you know, so it's all <laughs> I think you're the hero for giving. I mean, you're you're you create the content that I expose my children to. Oh, that that's really nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really nice. Yeah, to hear. <laughs> well, that's why that's why I think we do all this, right? It's it's some sort of. Oh, we're getting deep now. It's a legacy. And someone said to me once at the beginning of this podcast, like two years ago-ish, I can't remember, it's been so long since I started this, someone was like, your kids one day are going to be able to, to go back and listen to you, to listen to these conversations, to know more about you in a way that they'll never get just being in the same room as parent-child, right? Yeah, I think about that all the time. I mean, I don't, I don't have any children, knock on wood, like yet, I'm hoping, I'm hoping children will be a part of my future. Um, but I actually think about that all the time. Um, and it is something that kind of keeps me going a little bit in a weird way. And I think about like leaving things behind that hopefully my kids can look at and be like, oh my God, mom did a lot. Or like grandma did a, a lot <laughs> of cool shit. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so funny that you say that. I think about it a lot. <laughs> it, it's I didn't think about it until somebody said it to me. It's yeah. I've always just sort of like lived in the moment and in a way that it's like, okay, so I have a, I have these things that need to be solved. How am I going to build something to solve it? I'm very yeah. like stepping stone uh, uh, construction mindset. Yeah. So it it takes something or someone on the outside to come back and say, look at all these things you put together in this trail of breadcrumbs that you've left. Do you ever like have to gather like a bunch of like interviews or something like that's when I really feel it. It's like, someone's like, Oh, can you make a list of everything you've done? Or can you compile some videos? And then I go through and it's like, Oh God, I've, d- I've done a lot, but for some reason it always feels like the first time I, I yeah. was thinking about concerts recently. Like I've probably done like just in general, like other people's stuff, like 9 million, but it always feels like I've never done one. I'm always nervous. I always like, how do I stand? And it's like, what, huh? It's, it's, it's funny. It's a funny thing. What your brain likes to tell you you've accomplished versus what is the truth, you know? It's imposter syndrome Yeah, for me, for me, at least I, I'm, (laughs) yeah, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm making this content and I'm able to pull people. I can connect this person, that person, and then put in, put a, uh, the air quote producer credit. The producer credit is so nebulous, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it's like you could, yeah. Anyway, I'm not getting into that. Yeah, but, but man, it's, <laughs> it's a very important credit, but it is nebulous. It can be like a million different things. Right, right. Yeah, but but for me, I'm I like I'm all. I guess I I use this quote a lot. Uh, Andre De Shields when he accepted his Tony Award, he said yeah. the the top of the one mountain is the bottom of the next. Yeah. And for me. And I assume it sounds like you're kind of the same way. It's like, all right, so what's the next thing I'm doing? All right, I'm going to work towards that. Done. In the ground, planted my flag. So now that I've climbed up a little bit of uh, this ladder, now I'm going to go to the next thing. Yeah. And it, at some point, uh, what these conversations specifically help, and some of the ki- my kids sometimes too, will help me just stop and turn around and see how far I've been climbing. Yeah, yeah. It's important. It's important, I think, to do that every so often because... Like I said, like your brain just like plays tricks on you. It doesn't want to let you have that or recognize that so much of the time, which is such a bummer. You know? <laughs> but but when you when you look back at your songs, when you look back at what you've written, yeah, and and do you see? Uh, I mean, aside from the number of songs or how they've been recorded, released, or whatever, but the content, the actual purpose mm-hmm. behind writing them, has that changed over time, or or do you do you think about this? I think about it a lot. It's hard for me. So, like, I'd say I've probably been, like, playing gigs in earnest for, like, 10 years now, which is actually wild when I think about it, but, like, 10 years. It's hard for me sometimes to go back and hear a lot of the music I played early on. Like, I, I have a fondness for it, but I'm, like, all I, all I can hear are is um, what it used to be versus what it is now. All I can hear are the flaws or what I'm, like, oh, God, that's terrible. Um even though I have like fondness for it. Um, I think that like, I think when I like start, well, it was so scary when I started writing because like I'd always like secretly done it and I, I didn't know if it was any good. I didn't know if it was like worthy of being put out into the public. And so the first few years were really, um, were really about becoming comfortable with performing in that 
that kind of a medium. I'd really only done like acting and other people's music up until then. So I remember like my first several gigs, I was so nervous and so profusely sweating that the sweat would drip into my eyes and I had to sing with my eyes closed. Like that's how intense it was. And it's like, I just didn't know what it felt like to like express my own personal feelings on public or if, if that was okay to do. So that was the first few years. That's, Um, that's really scary. Yeah. You, to admit to others that you are flawed when you're not used to doing that. Yeah, it's it's like a big thing to, to admit that you're flawed. To also like, it felt like a big thing to be like, I have feelings and I have thoughts and I think they're worthy of, of, um, of saying them. Like that felt like so hard at the time. Now I probably just probably should say things that like nobody needs to hear and aren't worthy of whatever, but I don't have that... Um, I don't have that, like that layer of self-consciousness anymore. Now it's like more about, um, probably more about like the actual craft or like, uh, art of like, what I'm putting out. <laughs> as opposed to like the, the dealing with the feeling of putting out your own feelings. Does that make sense? Sorry. Yes. Yes. And, and I was, so I was thinking that, that if I were a songwriter, I would, Start to feel good. I'm, I'm, this is all hypothetical. Yeah. Because I think once in my life, I wrote a chorus. And then I was like, yay, I'm going to write a whole song. And then I never right. did anything with it. Right, right, right. But I would feel the need to write. Then I would write. And then I would say, oh, this is, this is cool. I got over that hump. And then I would start struggling with feeling like, oh, am I being egotistical by oh, having, oh, having to put my thoughts out there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the Big Hat song that I just put out. Honestly, that's a departure for me. That song's different than a lot of what I write, um, which was scary, but it's like, I'm, I'm everyone. I'm like, I'm fine. Like I'm doing fine, but I feel like it's kind of from a more like cynical place. And I was like, Oh God, if I put this out, is everyone going to be like, she's miserable. She hates everything. It's, it's, it's really scary. And so then you want to like, if you put it out, you want to make sure that it's good enough to warrant expressing whatever you're trying to express. But also it's like, I wrote it and this is almost always the case. I, I, I wrote it and I was like, I don't know if this is good. I literally don't know. And I don't, when I say that, I also don't mean everyone has to think it's good. I pretty much, it's like people like things, people don't like things. That's totally cool. But I I guess I mean like, warrants being put out into the world. Like I was like, I don't know. And so I sat on it and then I played it for my husband, who's truly one of the best writers I know in the universe. And also something that I always find a little intimidating, even though he is the, the, my biggest fan in a way, he wants me to put out stuff that I'm like, I I hate it. You're insane. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think he listened to big high and was like, I think this is my favorite song you've ever written. And then like within a second, I'm like, it's great. You know what I mean? <laughs> what is wrong? What is wrong? Writers. <laughs> well, think, think of the, when you're creating something like that, when it's, when it's so personal and it comes from you, then if it works, awesome. You get all the credit. If it fails, then that's all on you. And I, I feel, I feel that fear for others all the time. It's, it's also just, so hard because I've, I mean, I see so many 
absolutely beautiful writers and it's like they put they put themselves out there and people don't like it but it's it's just it's it's one person's opinion or it's it's just it's such a weird thing I guess it's like what I try to do now is if I if I feel like I have written the sentiment or or I I feel like I've successfully written what I wanted to say, then I just kind of like, okay, like, let me put it out there and see. I usually need a few days. Uh, I think it was helpful to have Joe's input because I was recording it the next day. And usually like it takes a few days and then I can look at it with a little bit more, like I've taken a step away. Right. Definitely write things sometimes that it's like, nope, no one's going to see this. (laughs) Ever. Do you and your your husband, Joe Iconis, do the two of you um, bounce ideas off each other or are you more like siloed? Because you have completely different styles. We do. Um, We... We do have completely different styles and we do, we do bounce things off each other. We've written together. Like we've only written one song together. Um, and we, we do, we do. I'm actually trying to get him. He's working on a song now. I'm trying to get him. He, he's feeling stuck and I'm trying to get him to just read me the lyrics. Cause I was like, you know how with big hat, I didn't know, but then I read it for you and you liked it. And then you were like, and then I was like, great. No, I have this, this idea. Like I, I need him. I think if he shared it with me, that would be helpful. He usually like, we, we usually really do love to share it, but we're, we're pretty bad about when it's in development. I think we get nervous. Like we're like, no, no, I want it to be finished. I want to feel really good about it. Um, but yeah, we definitely bounce ideas off of each other. Yeah. I think that that makes sense to me because, uh, <clears throat> Some people, and I'm not one of them, when they get really close to somebody, they're like, I'm just going to share everything and I'm going to, all, all my raw everything. And I'm, <clears throat> and I'm the same way as you. I'm like, I, I, want, I want to have, I, I know that they will accept me. The back of my mind, I'm like, I know my wife will accept me and I know that she's going to be there. But I'm like, I don't want to let her down. Right, right. It's, um... Yeah, you know, you know, yeah, you don't want to let them down. Well, and I also am like, you won't let me go out. Like if I write something stupid, I think we have the, I made it, actually, I said this like last night, I was like, we're never going to let each other go out and do something that the other person thinks is bad. Like, that's just like, and I, I trust that. I trust that if he was like, this isn't your best or whatever, that, um, he'd be like, think about it for, for a second, like, because we know what that is to go out there. You know what I mean? Right. What that means and how people, how people perceive things. But it's also such a funny thing too, because we do have really different styles and he's, he's much, you know, he's a theater writer. And so sometimes I get nervous because like, um, he almost always has like it written from a character's point of view. Right. So it's kind of like anything goes subject wise, whatever. You know, some of my songs are really personal and directly from my view. And some of my songs are more, are from like a a different character. But because mine are more pop, then I get nervous. It's like, if I'm writing a song, let's say it's like a love song that he's like, what the hell does this mean? Like, are you singing about someone else? Like, and it's like, no, this is like, I took this from the idea from like a relationship like years ago, but like, it's from like someone who's speaking in first person. It's like that whole added element is crazy. And he says that he all the time, like if he comes to my shows, if I start singing a song, he all the time feels people start 
like to turn around and kind of like gauge his reaction to it. And like, he's, he's so good. He knows, he knows that like, I can write a song that sounds like it's from my point of view, but it doesn't, isn't necessarily, but I still worry about that sometimes. Like, is he going to be like weirded out by this or worried or, you know? Well, that, that's, <laughs> that's why song, I mean, that's why I think different songs resonate with different people in different ways because everyone's open to their own version of interpretation. And, yes. and there was yeah. something, uh, I forget, I forget what it was. It was something Sondheim related, but Sondheim, oh, uh, Sweeney Todd, I believe. Yeah. Sondheim, Sondheim wrote it. And then Hal Prince came in and was like, no, it's not about this. It's about this. And so the composer, like the director completely yeah. changed and made made the show what it is now. So you have to, yeah, of course, you trust these people to do what that. they do. But yeah. everyone's got their own interpretation. Everyone's got their own reason to love it. And so you yeah. could write a song that's told in first person about a friend of yours, or it could right. be about you, or it could be a right. story that somebody else told you at some point, right? Like nobody right. actually knows unless it comes out of your mouth and right. says, this is what it's about. And sometimes you don't even know, I'm sure. Well, honestly, sometimes I don't even know either. But it is funny, like th that is a big difference between what, we, the type of music we make sometimes, because I think people inherently want to put on my stuff that it's super personal and always from my point of view when it isn't necessarily. Whereas with Joe's stuff, because it is more theatrical, it's like, it's always like a character or like, you know what I mean? It's so mm -hmm. funny. There is, that's like a big difference. Actually, I've noticed over the last couple of years. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I want to I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about alopecia, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, of course. Because... What was it? Two or three days before you're supposed to debut, be more chill on Broadway. This actually, so it was actually uh, I was doing the show Company at Barrington mm. Stage, um, and it was about three days before opening Company. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't worry, be more chill plays into the whole story too. But um, uh, it was three days before Company. I found a bald spot on my head, which I never dealt with at all. Um, and then seven months later, I had no hair. All my hair fell out. That's the short version of the story. Um, yeah, you're, you can ask anything you want about it. I mean, I could talk about it for hours and I, I never know if it's like people are like, okay, Lauren, like, 
Well, yeah. I want to I want to get into I wanted to get it into into how it's changed your view of yourself and and the the beauty aspect of it because yeah. there's so much in in our culture in our society that's placed yeah. on just a woman's hair or how her eyebrows are perfect yeah. or if like you <laughs> you know yeah. oh you said all eyebrows almost put me over the edge it's so funny. Um, well, yeah. was say, I was going to say too that 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 there are things about me like you think about your hair you think about like uh, I don't know for me there are little things like eyelashes that you don't think about yeah I knock on wood I was so lucky I lost everything except my eyelashes and I think I mean oh god again knock on wood it could still happen I I worry about that all the time um but I mean losing my hair affected every single aspect of my life in a way that I never, never would have guessed every single aspect. Like, and I think what um, has been the hardest part grappling with it is I, I think, and maybe this is just my perception, but I do feel a lot of times people think, well, what's the big deal? Put on a wig. It's just hair. I'm here to tell you, it is so not just hair. It it really became a question, like an existential, like question of identity. Um, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, like how you look, it's how you think of yourself. It's how, it really just to me became about like who I actually am. I just never would have thought it would have gone as deep as it did. I'm actually right. I, I, I finished a draft this year. I'm writing a one woman show about it. Um, cause it's, the story is insane, uh, for a lot of reasons, but I mean, yeah, like very, very like fundamentally it's, it's, you know, I've, as a woman spent my whole life, like worrying about how I look like hair is a major, major part of that. And I happen to be a woman who loves like, like loved her hair, like, and played around with it all the time. I change it up. Um, so initially that was, it was just the rudest thing to have happen. Um, my, so like that fell out, that was impossible. We can talk about it more or not. Then my eyebrows fell out after that. And then it was like, I didn't even look like myself. It's like your every feature changes. I looked in, in like, I just looked like a stranger and that became kind of the hardest thing to to deal with whenever I looked in the mirror. Like I just didn't know who I was anymore. And it's still, I'm definitely doing better. It's three years later, but it it comes and goes. I have moments like I'm wearing a wig right now, but I feel like um, a couple years ago, I would have like rather died than show, show someone like myself in a wig. Like I couldn't deal with that. It was very scary. That's so why is that though? Because in on stage you're wearing wigs all the time I know. it's a funny thing right because i'm so used to wearing wigs in shows uh, in person i i mean like the way i found to describe it this is how it used to feel it used to feel like um everybody got to wear normal clothes and i was given a bikini that was two sizes too small that's like the closest way i've like like and that's how i had to go around it felt like I didn't look like myself. It looked very fake to me. And it was really hard to have people who knew me see me and know that it was something I was dealing with and trying to overcome. It just, 
oh God, it was just, it was mortifying. It was absolutely mortifying to be seen in, um, to be seen in a wig. And I couldn't find one that felt like me. There was nothing that looked a hundred percent real to me because it wasn't. Um, yeah. I, uh, it's easy enough to, to look at somebody in this situation and say like, oh, that's hard. Yeah. I, I don't, I I, I, I sit, I'm sitting here twirling my hair as I'm thinking about this. That that you're right. It's it's some it's a characteristic that you don't think about that people take for granted. I would take. I've always had really thick, full yeah. hair, and people yeah. com- commented on that. Yeah. And if that were just to disappear, like it's 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 the five o'clock shadow that yeah. that people have commented on, and it is of is a form of attractiveness and it yeah. was it i i guess what i'm trying to get at here is yeah. how, how much of it is you don't have to phrase anything delicately like truly i've said it to myself already <laughs> like well, no it's it's not i'm just trying to think of the words yeah. i'm not trying to be yeah. delicate or not it for me it's like how, how how much of this is wrapped up in um just looking different versus not feeling attractive oh, versus it's, it's, it just yeah. all feeds into feeds into each other. So like up top, it was like I thought I looked like a monster and I didn't look attractive. And also a big thing, especially as a woman, everyone thought I had cancer. Every single person thought I was ill. Um, and they still do a lot of the times. Like right, my hair grows back once a year and falls out once a year. It's very weird. A lot of people don't have that. Um, but um everyone thought I was sick. So that became a huge part of my identity where I, beyond the hair loss and some weird autoimmune stuff, I wasn't sick. I didn't have cancer. Um, and like, it just, uh, it, it felt like other people started to view me differently. So then I viewed myself differently. It's like, I, I didn't feel like a woman. I didn't feel like a sexual person. I just felt like this, like, ill science like science experiment like that and that is what it felt like I was getting from other people too um yeah it's it's just a it, yeah it's just like a wild thing I, I hope that uh, hopefully knocking with the show happens one day because I really think I get to explain it a little bit more um yeah but really really also one of the hardest parts was the lack of um, empathy from other people. And I, I keep saying it's like, I just don't think anyone, one of the things I hear whenever I talk to anybody else dealing with alopecia is that it's like, unless it's really happened to you, there's no way to really explain it. And there's all these studies, like everyone like gets depressed and like deals with their mental health when this happens. But for whatever reason, it's like people don't talk about it people do not talk about it. It's, it's really weird. And that was also something up top. I was like, do I have to quit acting? Like I didn't see any other actors who had alopecia. It was such a weird, God, it's such a weird specific thing. And it, I wish it was as easy as put on a wig and go, but it's, uh, is not. <laughs> well, did, did you, well, what, I guess what made you want to continue to perform and continue to act then, especially um, going into, COVID, which is shutting everything down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in me. Like, I've just always wanted to be an actor. Um, But, like, you know, it's... I shot um, my first movie during COVID. And I 
was lucky enough. I saw a work screening of it recently and that was so exciting. It was really hard for me to see myself on screen. I still didn't look like myself to me. I had on a wig that I, that was new. And also like, I see, I had to have my eyebrows tattooed on cause I lost most of them. And at the time they thought that my eyebrows didn't look period. So they changed the shape of them. So when I was looking at myself on screen, I was like, who is that? Like, it's still, it's still, it's very, and like, I can see my wig line. I don't think anyone else could, you know, my husband's there like, you're insane. You look very good. But like, Oh God, it's just this, uh, just this wild thing. And also like, I'm not sick in, in that sense. So I like, I can perform, you know what I mean? Um, what, what is, what exactly is it? Is it autoimmune disorder that where your body attacks your hair follicles as Uh foreign objects? Uh Uh-huh. It, no, it's like literally the least researching of all time because it's kind of just considered purely cosmetic, um, but it's, it's an autoimmune disease. It starts, nobody can tell you why it starts. Nobody can tell you if it'll end. I think I know why it started. I got sick when I was doing a show in Florida. I lost my voice. I was like scared I was going to get fired and I was like desperate to get it back. So, um, within three weeks, I took a round of antibiotics I'd never taken. I took two rounds of vocal steroids and I'd never taken those before. And I also thought it might, I sound insane. I thought it might be acid reflux. So I like stopped eating and lost 15 pounds. That was all in three weeks. And then two months later, it started falling out. But I've been to a number of doctors and they have all said to me, nope, like we can't confirm that. And we can't, um, they can't tell you anything. There is no current cure. There is one, um, medication that comes with a lot of health risks. And so I can't really right now justify it going on it, although I might in the future, to be honest with you. Is it, is it something? What, okay. I'm gonna take a step back. So I'm, I'm thinking about myself and yeah. if this were to happen to me and I, if it were to grow back sort of my hair were to grow back sort of patchy or or in <laughs> yeah. different places, right? I think it would, I would rather just be totally, uh, no, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stop. Well, no, I'm going to stop, be, I'm going to stop what I was saying because it's stupid because yeah. I'm looking at a, I'm looking at, a, at, at my own lens, which is a cis white male. And oh. I have a totally different life experience now than, than I, than I can ever imagine having. Yeah, but like, listen, this is also something I feel like that I've learned. Like, I actually, like, I feel, I get really embarrassed about this. Like, I up top um, felt a lot of, I don't know if disdain is the right word. I do not feel this way now. But I, I really, when it was happening to me, it was like, you know, well, guys lose their hair. It's just like a different thing. Like society knows how to accept it. It is like my situation is so much worse. I'm like mortified that I thought that way in the beginning, because the one thing it's taught me is that you can never know how a person is feeling and you can never, it is like never your right to assign how upset they should be about any given situation. That's the number one thing alopecia has taught me. And it's really embarrassing when I look back and think about how I felt or compared different levels of hair loss or gender, like like the hair loss, depending on someone's gender. I really used to have strong feelings about it. I don't anymore. Like I, I understand where a guy losing his hair can be absolutely as devastating to that person as me losing all my hair was. That's something that took me a few years to really understand. Um, that that being said, I think it's just different. 
it's, it's different because I, I would imagine if you like lost your hair and you shaved your head, people aren't going to come up to you and say, do you have cancer? That's all that happens to me, you know, you know, um, but also like, I don't know, it's different, but it's also, it's like, then I think about what am I talking about? I think it's different for a guy too, where he's supposed to just make peace with it because it's something that is normally like accepted that happens to guys. And that feels really unfair too. (laughs) It does to be totally, it feels really unfair. The guys just have to kind of like eat it and deal with it. And there is more of a stigma. I think sometimes if a guy got like a toupee, than if a woman got a wig, it sucks. sucks. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Men, men with wigs or men with toupees are, are looked upon very differently, I think, than women with wigs. Because it, it's, 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 I'll put in air quotes, normal for a woman to wear a full wig. Yeah. Whereas a guy's just got to, just got to eat it. And, yeah. you know. So I feel really bad because that's not necessarily how a person sees themselves. Like they start to lose their hair and they're like, this isn't me. And like, what, what are they supposed to, what are they supposed to do? I don't know. This is a messed up country with messed up beauty standards. It, it, it really is. <laughs> It really is. And it's also so wild to me. Like it's, it's hard because people have been really lovely too. And like respond to pictures where like I'm bald and I have like a face full of makeup and they're like, why would you care? You look beautiful. And it's like, well, like I, you're not seeing me without the makeup. And also I've spent my whole life, like everything we're fed (laughs) on the internet and film and TV, especially as an actor. It's like, it's about how you look. Mm -hmm. Um, do you, do you, I guess that's, there's two levels there. Do you feel comfortable or un, more uncomfortable with, with or without makeup, with or without a wig? Like, is that two different things or do they go together? It's two different things. I almost always, like, if someone's going to be looking at me, I'm almost always going to want to have makeup on. <laughs> that's just not, not a ton, but like, it takes five minutes, but like, give me that five minutes. I need it bad. Hair, it changes absolutely daily. And, um, I have gotten better about dropping the need to feel like consistent with a look. Like I haven't been wearing my wig for the last four days. And then today I was like, you know what, I'm going to throw it on. And I think I also keep it on. So it remains sort of like normal to me when I see it in different mediums. Cause it's mm-hmm. hard when I don't see myself one way coming back to it. Um, it just depends. It just depends on how I feel. I do have some hair right now. So if I like wear a bandana, um, usually in like a 40s style, like you, you, most people don't know. They don't know what's happening. They would be shocked if they saw what was happening beneath it. And also like in a couple months, it could be back fully and then it's probably going to fall out again. Oh, that's, yeah, that's so strange. I wish there was more research and more, more uh, studies done on this because it's, this is just fascinating. The human body in general. The body is so weird it's so weird maybe maybe you are more evolved than yeah that's what's happening i think (laughs) i did did have um you know a doctor tell me recently it's like it's not that you're autoimmune deficient that's not what's happening it's that it's working too hard it's working way too hard but i truly just i don't know what sets it i tried everything I don't know what sets it off and I've kind of given up for now. Maybe that's all, maybe that's all it takes is like the less, the, the more, uh, 
lower of one level of hormone and you know you're more more relaxed or you know like it's honestly who the hell knows one day i hope they find out they did put it in in the last year i think on like like the short list of like let's find a let's find a cure for this this is insane (laughs) like this is maybe worse for mental health than we thought (laughs) so yeah as a country again going back to that we're just now talking about mental health, I think on a wide scale period. Yes. It's it's not just, you know, it's not hair loss. It could be weight. It could it be, can be anything. Right. Your brain just like acting up that day, you know? Right. Right. I just didn't think this was going to be like a 30 minute talk on hair loss. <laughs> no, I love, I love the mental health aspect of this because like I said, this is just connecting with people and exposing the fact that everybody feels some level of anxiety and, and stress. And uh, in this business, it's, Oh it's God. it's this catch twenty two because the the I feel like kids right the the next generation are looking up to you and looking up to to other people um, who are on Broadway and like I'm gonna be like them they've got it all together they figured it out and it, when I get there all of my problems are gonna go away and that's not the case it's because. Not- and also like I still sometimes pull myself into thinking that too when I look at people that I love and respect or like want to be like. And I know that's not reality. I know that Instagram, a great picture, and I'm doing this is not reality. If anything, I know that everyone, like no one is ever satisfied with where they are, no matter how 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 far down the line they are. Um, but I, I do think that that is, I mean, that's been the best part also of the alopecias being open about it. Cause I didn't know if I want to be open about it or not, but like the, the young people, um, responding or feeling a little less weird about something they're feeling insecure about. That's been nice. It's nice. It's nice to be able to, to, I think uh, lead by example in, in this case too, because you can say like, look at me, I am, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. I'm still working. I'm still successful. I'm still always striving to be better. And even if you have the same thing or something different, this is an example I'm setting for you, like work through it or use it, use it to your advantage. Maybe, maybe you're, you're going to get cast. You'll be the first person on Broadway to not everywhere to be, you know, a, a, a fully bald woman. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like that was the first thing when it happened. I was like, any other actress, give me any actress with this. Can I still be an actress? The only people I found out who talked about it publicly were Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then recently, Ricky Lake, like Ricky Lake, really? Ricky Lake apparently has dealt with this like for a really long time. She just like newly came out with it, but like so that's kind of why it was important to me to talk about it because I was like, well, here's someone. Hi. <laughs> well, I I think it's it's great, and I mean every. I just wish everyone would talk more about their authentic self, right? And mm-hmm. and to a point where it is it's constructive because <laughs> there's a lot of people I know of that are like, "Here's who I am. Take it or leave it. Go, you know, go take a long walk off a short bridge." And right. they're and it's like if you don't if you don't like who I am, or I guess what I'm trying to say is that if they come across as being abrasive or just yeah. or like I if I don't act like them I'm in the wrong versus versus the other side where let's accept everybody for their differences yeah yeah 
I think we're probably, we're, hopefully we're getting there. Truly, it's like, I keep saying the young people, but like the young people I've met are outstanding. Like, I feel like they are so unbelievably accepting of everyone and their differences in a way that feels different than when I was growing up. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think about that for my kids too. It was a couple of years ago. So the stat and the age is obviously most likely changed, but it was, it was a couple of years ago. I think it was, it was like it, it, over half of young, of uh, the young people, 50, like 16, 17 years old around that, like under 18 age range, yeah. um, were, were, didn't identify with a single, uh, sexuality. They, yeah. they weren't like, yeah. they were just like, whatever. And yeah. I think that's brilliant. I think it's incredible. I think it's like, it, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Because now you can just like sexuality is a scale. It's fluid. You hear these jokes and you see these things that people talk about on TV all the time now, but it's right. really, it's really true. And it's happening more than, more than we know. And I think now these people who are curious and they have questions and they, and just want to figure out who they are now have the benefit and the detriment of social media and the internet. Yeah. Oh, social media. What a double-edged. Right. So let's wind down the episode with the three standard closing questions. Sure. I ask everybody. The first one simply is what motivates you? What motivates me? You know, I think there's something to what we were talking about earlier about the need to leave some sort of legacy. Hmm. Uh, I just, it's that. And also the fear of like being on my deathbed and I, I would rather think, well, I tried than I never tried. You know what I mean? No regrets. No regrets. I would so much rather have tried and failed or tried and not gotten to where I want to be than to have never have tried. That sounds like the worst thing in the world to me. <laughs> what's the, what's the quote? Uh, it's better to have loved and lost it. have never have lost it all. Or never have loved it all. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So the next question is what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? I would say do not try to model yourself off of anybody. You can for sure have influences. That's amazing. But like, don't like at one point I was like, I'm going to be the next Kristen Chenoweth. Like, what does that even mean? And also nobody wants another Kristen Chenoweth. She's amazing. She did it herself. She is her. Your best bet is to try to figure out how you're different. And also I think a really good way to start with that, that I always say is to be very passionate about your likes and your dislikes and not worry about what people think about that. Cause I worried about that all the time, but that's like a good place to start. Like I like this. I don't like that. And to not be ashamed about it. I'm talking everything from like your favorite movie to your favorite flavor of ice cream. It's a good place to start to figure out who you are. I guess. All right. All right. I like that. Okay. So the last question, this is really hard. If you can yeah. only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Is it the same production of the show or is it a different production? Well, how would that change your answer? Well, okay. My like favorite show of all time is just Little Shop. It just is. It just is. It just is. And I'm like, but I might get bored if I'm seeing the same exact production of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, it, if it was the same production, maybe I'd want to pick something like more like a Sondheim type. 
I'm really excited about the upcoming revival with Christian Borel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, of, of, of Little Shop? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We have tickets for it. I'm very excited. Uh, I'm going to say Little Shop. It's just my favorite show of all time. I just never get sick of it. I love it. Okay. And we can find you on Twitter and Instagram at Lore Marcus. Yeah. Of course, your website, laurenmarcus.com. Mm-hmm. Go to 54 below online and get your tickets for her show that is coming out on, or she's going to be performing on June 8th. Teeth. You yes. can get more of me at the theaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Please leave a rating, leave a review, spread the word. This has been edited by Well-Rounded Hoodlum Productions. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And Lauren, thank you so much. I have had such a great conversation. Me too. And thank you for being so honest. Always. To my to a, to a fault. So <laughs> Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.